Welcome to another episode of Professional Awesome Hypercritical Radio. Today's show is presented by Fuel Lab. Fuel Lab has been a proud supporter of Professional Awesome for quite some time now. We have their uh, fuel search tank in our S2000 as well. It's been using their brushless fuel pumps in our Evo for, gosh, for a while. Um, great products. Be sure to go there. Check out their website. Uh, even check out their new uh, quick uh, change uh, fuel search tank. Um, and courtesy of us, you get a special discount code. Just type in Tyrone at checkout and uh, you get a little bit off. So do me a favor, do us a favor, and go check it out. And while you're at it, might as well give us the goddamn reviews I keep asking for. But anyways, to the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Professional Awesome Racing's Hypercritical Radio. And today I'm joined by Michael Wood. Devin B. Tyrone Giles. Daniel, not Tyrone O'Donnell. <laughs> we have a special guest with us today, so please introduce yourself. Ido Waxman. Hi, Ido. What up, Ido? Hi. How's it going? Good. So, Ido, for those that don't know who you are, first of all, this is com- going to be completely off topic, but before we get into the, like, the car stuff, where what is the lineage of, like, where does Waxman come from? Oh. Yeah, you didn't expect that question. So, no. <laughs> I'm just curious. I want a name I'm that's less... cooler. I, I don't I'm, have a cool name. I'm, I'm frankly terrible at remembering family history because my brain is filled with useless engineering facts of course and car facts how it should be but waxman is like i think it's like a germanic origin yeah because it sounds like you have a crest somewhere that you're not showing us uh i mean i might like a really really long time ago my grandparents and their i'm like like great grandparents i think were all from like the poland like the what the western part of Poland, sure. So I'm sure there's some like Germanic, like yeah, yeah. old so. from a long time ago. I think it means like people who work with wax, like like candles, yeah, or something. I mean that makes sense with the history of Germany, but we're not. We could get the history of Germany is actually super cool, but we're not going to get into that today. Yeah, but I think you should find out what the crust was and throw that on the Corvette. That's all I'm trying to say. That's. No, I got a better one. I got a better one to throw on the Corvette. My my grandfather owns a, a candy company in Israel, oh. and he's got a logo where he's just like pointing like number one. He's like number one, and it had <laughs> our last name around his head that's going number one. There you go. And I've thought about I've thought about putting that giant that's sticker. A, that's, that's basically a crest. It's just it would be pretty great. New crest. Yeah. It would be pretty great. I should ask him for sponsorship dollars because. <laughs> Just asking for the candy. I'll take some candy. I, I'll bring back some candy. I was supposed to go to Israel over right. Thanksgiving, but then I didn't. Right, for, for obvious reasons. For obvious reasons. But <laughs> next time I go, I'll bring candy. I'll, like, distribute candy through the grid life paddock. And just, there you go. Candyman awesome. Waxman over here. <laughs> awesome. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Obviously, you are part of the day job, is part of the automotive world. And what is your day job? Yeah. I'm a aerodynamics engineer for Pratt Miller of Corvette Racing fame. So we've been we've been designing Corvette race cars since like C5R basically. Awesome. Just like throw the whole bunch of ma- money at us and they're like make a race car and we're like okay and that so we've been doing Sounds that for since since C5R. And yeah, before that I was an aerodynamics engineer for Honda in Ohio. And then before that, I was an engineer at, at Ford. So, Ford, yeah. Awesome. 
So your car, the the new C8, just got released or kind of unveiled not that long ago, mm-hmm. and that is awesome. And I wanted to talk about a couple different things along that line. The how does I guess how does the development right? How long have you been there? How long have you been at Pride Mill then? Since March of twenty one, so it's almost three years yeah. now. Yeah. So in the development of like the C8, how long has that been in development? So how long have you been, in terms of the aerodynamics, I guess, the the car is a generality fine, but in terms of the aerodynamics, how long has that been in development? Basically since the beginning of 21. So I joined the program basically as it started in like its very, very early stages. Yeah. So basically it takes, it's a three-year development cycle basically from starting Really, it's two and a half years because we homologated back in, in June with the sure. FIA. And we've had some small development since then. But yeah, it's it's basically a three, two and a half to three year development cycle. Yeah. So I guess from that from that standpoint, first of all, developing an aero package over two and a half years for obviously a legit company, somebody that has like obviously countless race wins with Corvette and such. How does that development, what what are the, can you give us some of the steps? Obviously, I know that you can't give specific details, but can you give us some of the steps along the way? You get a C8, stock-bodied C8, I assume something along those lines, and then you start to allow, obviously, the rule set is released and you're allowed to build within that rule set. Mm-hmm. And so how does that, how do you guys start to build and start to design the car, add features to the car, those types of yeah. things? Yeah, so first I'll like plug our social media team Pratt Miller has a YouTube channel that is kind of becoming they're kind of there's more and more effort being put into that. And we actually have a webinar recorded on there called the Aerosynthesis uh webinar. It actually goes into our whole process. The methodology. That's yeah, and methodology like in non confidential <laughs> secret terms. Okay. But to kind of summarize that, it very much starts with it starts with like target setting. Okay. So we have, you know, in our case, we had C8R. We started kind of the C8R is kind of the baseline. And we have like new targets based on all of our experience with C8R. And basically, we use uh, lap time simulations to help us determine like, uh, downforce uh really it's drag goals aero balance goals pitch sensitivity goals yaw sensitivity and then there's obviously some inputs from powertrain and other parts of the car for cooling requirements or packaging requirements and that you know that gets put into we also plug that into like a driver in loop simulator that helps us like understand how the car will drive with certain targets we'll use the targets that we come up with we might make adjustments using driver in loop or laptop and or lap time sim whatever and then we start designing you know designing parts for the car go testing see how close we get to the targets and it's this constant feedback of like okay like driver in loop does another round of testing we make adjustments to the targets we go again we you know we get more data we go again and there's a lot of input from lap time sim and driver in loop kind of goes into our 
uh, like decision making process, and it's an iterative loop that just keeps going until you run out of time, basically. <laughs> so with, I mean, that's awesome. So with the people who are doing the sim, like obviously it starts to swim sim. You're making, you know, there's a theoretical car that exists somewhere, right? And so you're basically just have this, you have this functional, you know, not, not functional, fictional vehicle that has perspective weight, perspective downforce, perspective drag, right? For, for people who haven't used sims, that's basically what you're putting in with the different, you know, coefficients and such. And basically you're trying to balance out, you know, performance goals, right? So it makes sense. So is there a whole team that's just doing that to start with? Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's... There's a whole team dedicated to lap time sim, and then a whole separate team dedicated to driver and loop, and then there's a whole separate suspension kinematics team, yep. race operations, all of that. Arrow is run at Pratt Miller pretty separately from the race team. Okay. We can do Arrow projects for other companies, or or not other companies, but like other parts of the company, or we get oh, contracted, things like that. So that's why we're kind of kept separate in a separate team. And it's almost like the race team contracts us to build the car for them with them constantly, you know, providing input. Gotcha. Yeah. That's cool. So if you guys, I mean, if the, if the sim team gets a target that makes sense, our, this could just be incredibly arbitrary. Car needs to make, you know, 500 pounds of front arm force and, for the C8, let's say 700 pounds of rear downforce to achieve so the lap time. We never, there's no reason. So downforce is basically only limited by the rules, by BRP. Sure. Yeah. Like we have the FIA and IMSA give yeah. us performance windows of lift versus drag. And that's okay. really what limits, that's what limits our performance. Gotcha. The way that you, like the way that you judge parts is, you you basically have a maximum drag target, and then a max, and then a, a yeah, certain arrow balance target, and that determines how much downforce you can put on the car. If gotcha. if performance is unlimited, if it's limited, then it becomes a, a game of like making the car as easy to drive. You know, really focusing on pitch sensitivity, sure, cooling robustness, and like and and take robustness, things like that more focus gets put on those kinds of things rather than like an all out just performance push. Yeah. So that's kind of. Is the, yeah. Is the first iteration more focused on, uh, I guess like the holistic package, something relatively simple, you know, makes a lot of doubt for us to start with. And it, well, I should say relatively efficient to start with. It's more of like a, a holistic approach in terms of just the first try. And then they roll it. Like, are you actively doing CFD on that to start with? Or are you, how does that work? I guess, because if they're, if the sim people and the driver and loop people are constantly iterating as well, are you all iterating at the same time? Are you building something out and then iterating on that after they give you new information? And yeah. how much does that information change? I guess. From yeah. So step to step. Yeah. So things start pretty broadly. Like we have very broad concepts for different parts of the car. Okay. Are they actual, like at that point, are they, sorry, are they actual CAD? Are they actually yeah. like defined features? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like we have, we have ideas, we turn them into CAD and like big picture is like, we, we are not like focusing on very small details of certain sure. surfaces. We're like kind of doing big picture. Yep. Like this, 
you know, shape to the front bumper is better than this shape or uh, this number of dive planes is better or worse than this number of dive planes or, you know, things like that. Yeah. And basically CFD is utilized as like the initial filter for like, we have all these ideas. We have to like do some filtering because we don't have infinite wind tunnel time because wind tunnels are expensive. Sure. Uh, so like we initially put a bunch of stuff into CFD. CFD kind of helps filter some of it into like filter us in, in a direction. We take, you know, a certain number of concepts, however many we can fit in the schedule into a tunnel test. And then the tunnel test tells us, okay, this concept, this concept, this concept's the best. We start, you know, for, before the next test, we're starting iterating within, you know, the bigger concept. We might like come up with a new idea sometime and then we test that concept as well in CFD to see if it would be just as good or better than whatever direction the first test determined. Right. So, but like basically it starts out broad. We start focusing more and more on the surface details. And focusing more and more on making sure we adhere to targets because the longer it goes, the better understanding we have of how much, how strict things like arrow balance or pitch sensitivity or yaw sensitivity are. And that like starts educating the process later on. Sure. So yeah, everything is happening kind of simultaneously, but like everything's feeding each other, you know, it's a lot easier with a small organization making 20 cars a year than it is um, like at Honda, for example, where you have to freeze at certain stages sure. so that uh, like evaluations can happen of the prototypes. So at Honda, for example, it wouldn't be this like constant back and forth. It would be like, okay, like we want to do this. We tell the design team, okay, this is what we're going to do. The design team takes time to like make it, figure out how to do it we can make like small iterations to it. But then at certain point at each prototype stage, it kind of just freezes. We evaluate, everybody evaluates it. Like yeah. everybody, Aero, NVH, Crash. Yeah, big meeting. Maybe not Crash, but like, I don't know. There's like a whole bunch of different people that need to sign off. And kind of while we're waiting for that, Aero is like kind of moving forward because it's the smallest lead time and like takes the most lead time to implement. So- sure. It, 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 it works differently on the OEM side, you know, definitely a lot slower. And again, you know, there's just a lot more inertia inside of a bigger organization that's selling hundreds of thousands of cars versus 20. I yeah. even, you know, it's a my focus too. Yeah. And, and even from my experience, like PME, you know, Pratt Miller up until GT3, we only used to make two, two cars a year. So even the process going from two cars to 20 cars is substantially different. You know, there's a lot more control that needs to happen when you're making so many cars, especially when you're making them for customers. So that's a whole different challenge that we're kind of tackling right now as the first time we're making customer racing cars. Yeah. That makes sense. A quick question about since, since you're, in the race years, you and you're going to have a balance of power that can bring people back, you know, into competition. Yeah. yeah. Are you kind of just trying to optimize then around making it easier, as easy as possible for the drivers to get within the performance envelope and also have that performance envelope as 
wide as possible so it works in as many different situations and then like yeah maximum so, performance isn't there then BOP will bring you back it's a little bit it's not as simple as BOP will bring you back okay and and I'll be honest like I'm not super familiar with this process because I've only been part of it for a very short amount of time I don't have as much experience so take all of this with like a grain of salt but basically different tracks you you have different lift to drag ratio that you're aiming for based on track average speed and type of turns and stuff like that and that's going to you know that that means that you want to be in a different part of the BOP window for different tracks so you're trying to develop a package that can work at all these at all these different points in the BOP window for a lift to drag and you want to make sure that the car remains drivable at all these different points. So that means you're maintaining aero balance, you're maintaining pitch sense, a drivable pitch sensitivity, a drivable aero balance, things like that. All of that's really important when you're designing the car. Like it, when you're in a BOP series, it, you're, like I said, you're focusing on the robustness of the whole package from a drivability standpoint, more so than you are about attaining pure pace. Yeah. Ultimate performance. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. The, I, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to like walk through the process and it's just not going to happen because I keep having questions along the way. But like when you have, when you, when you're moving through the process, you're iterating, you're all, you know, you guys are all circling around trying to make it all work. You've come up with, I haven't, I'm going to be honest. I haven't read the rules. I don't know how finite the details are, but I can only imagine considering I have read some some of the rules before, not you know current generation requirements for obvious reasons. And the how can I say this? In terms of elements on the car, how restrictive are they? So like, if you're going to put dive planes on the car, if you're going to put a wing on the car, right? Yeah. Obviously, there's some stylization to the wing. So functionally, what are you allowed to do, and what are you not allowed to do? Or you you have to yeah. within obviously a certain size, a certain shape, all that stuff, but then you can mess with it a little bit along the way to make it fit what you want. Like, how does that, how tight is that box? And, and to toss in real quick too, is GM having any input yeah, on like sure. the marketing side? From a design standpoint? Yeah. Yeah, it's got to yeah. look a certain way. So to answer the rules question, GT3 rules are are fairly open to some extent. <laughs> so you have to, it's, it's kind of weird. You it's have to retain, than NASCAR. Yeah. You you have to retain production door A surface. Okay. And production roof A surface and like windshield, I think. So you can't change the windshield shape. Does that include like the no. curvature? I think so. Okay. Yeah, because so, we're given sorry. so just to be clear, all we're given from GM is a white body, i.e. like a bare chassis with nothing attached to it at all. Okay. Literally a bare chassis, and an RK and, and an engine. Like we're, we're using LT6, same thing that's in the series. You get all the dick. Do you get the CAD that comes along with it, or do you just get a body in white? We have to ask for the CAD. They they'll give us CAD. We have to ask for it. Uh, and basically, FIA restricts like number of front elements. Yeah, it restricts okay. location, like maximum most rearward and highest point that the rear wing can sit there's like a box where the rear wing right can of course sit. yeah that makes sense a maximum width like it it 
has like rules boxes for diffuser and underwing and uh, like front diffuser slash underwing. Yep. And uh, it restricts some radii like to the floor and things like that. Interesting. GT3 also limits you to like production openings outside of uh, rear brake ducts that you can add into like the side sill. Okay. But otherwise, like it's stock openings. And so that's kind of a difficult one. But it's fairly open. There's definitely a lot of room. Like if they made it in an unrestricted series, there's enough freedom that, you know, it can turn into a Formula One type thing or. Or DTM is a better example because DTM used to be this. Right. DTM used to be Formula One of closed body cars. Right. Yeah. Not anymore. Now it's a spec series. Yeah. Now it's now it's a GP3 series with right. like higher power. Like they they right. tend to be GT3 with more power, but or or like old Lamar prototypes used to be, where it was just a free for all. So yeah, I mean, there's enough freedom that like if they unrestricted GT3, which would be awesome. Like that, I feel like that would be such an awesome series to. For everybody to watch, but I get really into the technical stuff. There's definitely enough freedom that you can you can do a lot. Like there's a there's a lot to differentiate between cars, and I think that's on purpose. Like they want cars to look different for different manufacturers. And then to answer a question about GM's involvement, there is a lot of input that goes into styling. Uh, like styling does come in and say, "Hey, we want to keep this feature of the car." You homologate to a specific model, so we homologated the GT3 car to the Z06. So like the front bumper, that front bumper like chin thing, or like yeah. the, the that like swish they have, that's something that you know GM would request things like that. So gotcha. yeah, like there's some input from styling because it is a marketing tool for them. So right, let me yes, that's that is part of the that is that does go into it. And again, if, because it's a Bob series, we just absorb whatever hits we want. And like it, we trade it off with something else. It's yeah, it's it's a lot more. It's a lot easier to do when you're not pushing for. Everything. I've actually dealt with that a couple of times myself with a couple of different customers where uh, the the overarching brand has restricted the size of ducts that mm -hmm. lead into the radiators because mm -hmm. mm, we don't like that styling. So it needs to stay this size or this shape. So that's all you get to work with, but now meet our requirements for the engine. So, yeah, I mean, it's a lot. I wouldn't call that part that big of a challenge. It wasn't that big of a challenge for us, but it was definitely like a more involved challenge in production car. So I, I, I was the aerodynamic lead for the 2023 pilot. So that one involved, you know, you're really working really closely with styling to, yeah. you know, like they have a certain image of what they want the car to look like and you're trying to turn it into something that meets cafe and, right. and a lot of brick. Right. <laughs> and it was a challenge, especially with pilot because the previous generation was very bricky, like very round and like kind of soft looking, I guess. All this. Yeah. Yeah. So there was a huge push to make it very aggressive. And there was a lot of work that was going on of like, okay, we can like, for example, there's air curtains on the new pilot and those yep. air curtains allow us to allowed us to like put a fairly aggressive and sharp front end that was basically bypassed by the air curtains. Very cool. So 
yeah, it, it's a bigger challenge, I think, in production car aerodynamics. And, and that's, a, it's a different part of the challenge. I think it's a fun part of it. I, you know, spent hours with a clay modeler in the scale wind tunnel, just carving clay. And there is something enjoyable about that as well. That, you know, isn't as much present in like racing. Yeah. That's cool. I would, yeah, I'd assume that that OE level stuff for for emissions requirements and stuff is just much much more. The details are finite, right? It's and then you're dealing with the, the design team on the back end for every change you make, yeah. every change you want to make. You're dealing with somebody who like like people buy cars with their eyes, right? If you have a yeah. race car, even if people don't like the way the race car looks to an extent, yeah, and it's fast, it's still okay, right? There's right. a performance level there that makes sense. Where if you make an ugly car because it's aerodynamically you know, let's take insights for example. Every, you know, they're very polarizing. You know, old first generation insights, great aerodynamically, but incredibly polarizing otherwise. I think yeah. it's great. I think it's great because I like the aerodynamics, right? I like right. the engineering, but and other people are like terrible. <laughs> and I'm, I'm an awful person to work with in styling because I don't make any car buying choices based off of styling or anything exactly. like that. Yes. So, I'll. <laughs> Devin, Devin's broken. I'll. I'll He's like, we found another one. You know, like if a Pontiac Aztec was this like ridiculously like super yeah. amazing performing. Oh, he's hurt. Thing, he's really hurt. Hundred percent. He's so like, hurt. I I agree. I would have bought that shit. I had that yeah. uh, conversation. You know, we had that conversation. So well. You were oh, doing so well. Oh my and god. Now... I, I I don't know. I don't like. That's just not my brain. Is. Oh, yeah. for example, like whenever I buy cars, I'll buy whatever color it is. I don't really care what color. That's like if I'm choosing a, a used car, like I'm not going to care what right. color it is. Like well, I'm, very, I'm very requirement driven. Right. Like I have requirements that need to be met and targets. Right. And I don't really care what the car looks like or or anything like that to meet that. If, it, so, if it's if it's a color I like, it's a bonus. But if it has right. the rest of the packages that I want on it, yeah. and the mileage, right. then fuck yeah, we're buying that. And it has the exactly. seats, yeah. Like yeah. the seats are the super. Like for me, it's just like it comes down to seats. Seats are super important. But yeah, this is why that, you guys yeah. like ugly shit. Got it. Oh Understood. Correct. Get Appreciate off. it. Get yep. off. I, I want to know, Edo. Then what? What are your your vehicles? I assume car car guy has more than one vehicle. What, uh, what requirements did they have to meet? I mean, so my. So I, 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 I'm a big believer in having the right car for its function. So mm -hmm. I have a Chevrolet Volt that I commute in. It's, <laughs> it's an emotionless, like zero fun appliance. Oh my God. From A to B as cheaply as humanly possible. That's awesome. That's awesome. And then, and then my track car, my fun car is a C6 C06 because I found a hole in the grid life street GT rules where like for whatever reason, people weren't choosing Corvettes and I was like, Oh, this is dumb. I'm going to choose a Corvette. Cause that's the <laughs> obvious answer. So I picked the car that's going to, I pick cars based on how competitive they are and whatever I want to compete in. And yeah. that's been the case since I started autocrossing in 2014. I, I, I picked the competitive car. I don't care. I, I don't tend to develop emotional attachment to cars because they're just tools for my enjoyment. I'm a, I'm a horrible person like that. I can't help it. So, you know, I've, I've gone through, I think that Corvette's like the ninth, eight, eight, eighth or ninth co com competition car I've owned. I mean, I change cars every one or two years. So yeah, for me, I, I choose cars based on what's going to be the most competitive in the class that I choose to run. Sure. 
and everything else just goes out the window. And then now recently I've decided to start trailering my car to tracks. So I'm going to buy a truck as like the third thing where it's the thing that's used for hauling. So I'm going to choose the best thing that's for hauling that still has like the best fuel. I did like the math on the break even point between like a diesel truck and a gas truck. And I know exactly what MPG to, to aim for and like when it breaks even. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I already did all that too. Yeah. Uh, So I'm buying a truck soon as well to trailer stuff. So yeah, yeah, I choose I choose cars based on functionality, on purely on functionality based. Yeah, it's funny. What, what it's funny. Generation Volt, do you have? It's the second gen. Okay, well, no one's perfect. Well, are you arguing the first gen's better because it's on, clearly not? Oh my gosh! Right, Volt bike. When you have the shift to park issue, <laughs> just let me know. I I did have the shift to park issue and I got it fixed full free. There just uh, I'm sorry, I just can't. You know, I'm sh- I can't hear you over the- your premium fuel tiers and your freaking crappy <laughs> force cylinder thing that requires premium fuel in a oh in a God. plug-in. What is that all about? Fuel in for months. Yeah, yeah, fuel, yeah, fuel retail at this point. Every time you do, it's it's like ten bucks more than me, buddy. So, so oh, I sorry. Awesome. I think you may. I think you. Yeah, bitch. Hit him with the pal. You tell him I don't. Dan- Dan's car costs like fifteen dollars. So yeah, I, I got it stupid cheap. Yeah. yeah, my my car. They were offering used volts and bolts for zero yeah. percent, seventy two months. So you got so the replacement right. battery one, right? Like they fixed all that shit. No, no, no. They're just like oh, it was like okay. a three thousand mile thing, oh. and they were just like trying to sell the. It was right in the when the pandemic started. Actually, no, like a year into it, and they were just like offering these things for zero percent for seventy two months. So I went up to a dealer. I bought one for like eighteen k with taxes included. Put z- they're like, how much money you want to put down? Zero money, sir. You're getting <laughs> zero APR for 72 months. I don't want to give you any money. Right. So, yeah. so yeah, that's that's why it's stated. Right. Like, and yeah, I've yeah. it's a deal. It makes sense. I've like I I like ran it. I unfortunately like had a really minor accident in it that like scratched the front bumper and like broke the headlight housing and like slightly bent the fender and I just like moved it all into shape, glued the headlight housing together. Have not taken it to insurance. I don't care. It's the car is like worth nothing. I have zero attachment. No, it's worth nothing to me. Like, yeah, I'm just I'm just driving it into the ground. Like, it's just gonna as soon as it gives me one problem, I'm kicking it out. It's like, okay, you're worth nothing to me anymore. It's funny because we so, Dan used to have it. So you have Devin hours set insight. Yeah, I have I have Dan's insight. Yeah, now. only I. I'm a big believer in the two or three car system where mm-hmm. you have one car for the fun and one car for the commuting. That way, yeah. when one car breaks, you have the, the commuting car to get into and vice versa. Hopefully, you never end up with both of them broken at the same time because then you're screwed. Hopefully, um, you buy another car. Cars. I don't yeah, understand. But, <laughs> so now I'm going to have three cars probably because I don't want to commute in a freaking giant truck. Right. So, yeah, I guess I'll probably end up with three cars if, if the money works out. Yeah, it kind of goes. You need one project car, one running race car, one daily, one tow vehicle. So second daily, <laughs> just in case. Here's the thing: one so race not, car and a hidden shell. I don't believe yeah. in project cars. There it is. I don't believe in project cars because working on cars is the worst part of driving cars. So get this dude out of here. I don't understand. Get him out of yeah, here. No, I, I, I don't like it. it. It's I funny. Hate. Devin likes the build and then hates oh. the build, then loves the build and hates the build. And yes. oh, Dan's like, I hate the builds. 
I hate Correct. every part of working on cars. I do it because they, because I can't afford to pay somebody to work on my cars. In the process, I learn stuff, which yay, learning or whatever, but like, festival, <laughs> and I hate it. And I'm just doing it so I can go drive the car. That's literally all I'm doing it for. I'm, I don't enjoy working on, I enjoy like the initial conceptualization of cars, like the big picture, yeah. like I, sure. as an engineer, I like the, I like the idea fun. of yeah. the car. I don't like doing any of the manual labor involved in making the car. And then I like driving the car. That's, I do the, the conceptualization. That's my job. I want to skip the part where the car becomes a car. And then I just want to drive the car. That's, that's, that's fair. I'm that's with you there. hundred percent. That's, that's fair. But I'm too poor to have somebody else assemble it. So same, same, <laughs> it's just same. I've got a more people, question uh, for you now, though, that I guess I've always wanted to ask. And I, I totally forgot about this until right now. So you've got like a, a you work with a team of really awesome engineers and all sorts of different aspects of, of vehicle dynamics. Have you ever thought about since you've got all these great minds together, like building a time at that car or building a GLTC car with the other engineers and like kicking everyone's ass. Like, oh, hell yeah. Early. And yeah. Why, why doesn't Pratt and Miller do that? Like, or, or, or on the side, you know, that's, that's a good question. I mean, Honda's got their rate. Honda's got like hard Scott, the engineers you, who build cars. Yeah. That's not really the same. It, it's Hart. I don't know how Hart. So Hart like stopped existing for a couple of years there during right. the pandemic. And then they were like, okay, you have money again. Do your thing. Yeah. Um, it's and like Hart, Hart is an outlier. Like it's very, it's pretty amazing that Honda has that organization and lets them do what they do. Yeah. In terms of like making a car with like with Pratt Miller, first of all, like everybody's super busy all the time. So it's like, I don't, they're super busy, like working on actual like racing where money's involved, not just like money play time. amateur racing, fun time stuff. So it's like, it's hard to get, you know, it's hard to like ask anybody for any time to like do stuff like that. It would be, you know, like amazing to, to do something like that, like a Pratt Miller time attack car. Cause trust me, like there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of ways that full on time attack cars could be optimized. Oh yeah. And, and none, of, none of the top level time attack cars in the United States are optimized. Uh, from I mean, States, yeah. Like <laughs> ours is like seven seconds slower than it should be. So we'll just leave it alone. Yeah. I mean, like, there's a lot of, we can probably get on this topic later, but to answer the question, yeah, I'd love to like collaborate with Pratt Miller about that. And I actually had a recent conversation with my, with my boss about like, cause he knows my involvement in like amateur motorsports. And he's like, do you think there's a place for us? And I'm like, the amount of money that we would probably charge for that is yeah. more than any, you know, any of us yeah, can afford. Budget, yeah. But like, I think there would be a space for us for somebody who just has some rich dentist who like, yeah. you know, he wants to set up his radical or whatever. Like, I think there's, there is room for that to, to like leverage some of our resources to like yeah. improve that aspect, but it would just cost a lot of money. Like we, there's a lot of, you know, we're, we're one of the top motorsports organizations in the country. Right. And I think we're, you know, we, we are allowed to charge, what we charge and like 
unfortunately that's not attainable for amateur most amateur motorsports enthusiasts right i understand that answer. yeah for the pores i get it i understand yeah yeah <laughs> so, I, so in the meantime i just like ask questions to the experts like hey what do you think of this and they just kind of give me like general trends because those yeah. the one thing one of the biggest lessons i've learned in pratt miller is that like nobody talks nobody makes certain statements everything has to be backed up by data right nothing's declarative yeah yeah so conjecture is kind of frowned upon and like there has to be proof for everything and so a lot of the time when i you know if i answer very i ask very general questions because that's all i can ask that's all i have the knowledge to ask about my car it's just like okay what's the trend and then i just try and follow whatever trends i want right. to follow sort of thing that's what i was wondering like did you ask them about like from a a vehicle a vehicle dynamic standpoint some of them might have had experience with the c6 as it sits so like the suspension is going to be somewhat different because the, those yeah. those were somewhat different, but completely different. The kinematics are completely different. Oh, okay, yeah, I didn't know how much. In, I didn't know how much they changed those. But back in GT one, GT two days, okay. like it's not even the same ballpark. Okay, but even even if you'd be like, hey, so I'm doing this. What would you recommend? Have you done that to to some of the suspension guys? Yeah, so I don't talk as the suspension guys are kind of like buried within the race operations gotcha. group. Okay. And I don't actually have any real exposure to those people, but I think the level that I'm competing at, I don't need more yeah, than sure. the level of knowledge that I already have, which is like understanding generally what spring rates do, what damping adjustments do. Like that's enough for my level yeah. of, of involvement, you know? So it's like, you know, I, I have where I do have tried to leverage expertise is like, for example, I've thought about like molding my own hood for my Corvette because we probably have CAD models for that somewhere. But it, a lot of time it just becomes like everybody's busy. Everybody's right. too busy. Like I still have to pay for materials and my sure. time and it's like, it's not worth it. Like I, I, I don't have, I don't have the time for it. Like it'd be a cool thing to do, but yeah, like practically speaking, I, I, I don't have the mental capacity or the time to make something like that happen. Sure. I mean, and, and, and to a level, right. If you're not like, if you, if you're running the, the, the stock ish C6, right. You're, you're able to make some changes for off the shelf parts. If you're not going to make custom parts, if you're not going to do a full yeah. evaluation, right. Yeah. How much can someone really do in that case? Right. Yeah. They're like recommending spring rates, recommending damping forces, but past yeah. that, they're probably not going to be recommending much more because yeah. otherwise you have to do a full analysis. Right. And, and in that, in terms of like spring race and setup, I'm partnering next year with a place called Inertia Lab down in Texas. Lower that. Yep. So I'm going to be working with them on coilovers for my car. Sweet. Well, they're already working on them. But yeah, I'm going to leverage his expertise. Uh, Chris, his name's Chris. I'm a super nice guy. Former FSA person like me. So he's an ultra nerd. And that's how I know I can trust him is that he's done FSA. So he knows how. He, he 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 ultra nerded on like kinematics and Millikan and Millikan and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, like I'm gonna just leverage that rather than, I guess, internal company sources. But some of that is also like working with somebody, you know, help them promote their stuff and, you know, kind of doing it that way as well. So, mm -hmm. and again, like my level of racing, my level of involvement, my level of competition. 
the sense of the need for such minute like changes, minute calibrations are very, very low. Like right, our sure. the range of performance is so high as it is already. Like I don't need basically as you look for smaller and smaller increments of lap lap time, you need to add more and more money and more and more right. resources. Yeah. It's the amount of lap time I'm looking for is so gigantic that like, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's not it's not worth it. Right. Yeah, but that being said, like if I, if I ever do take my car into higher levels of prep with like real serious aero, yeah. uh, trust me, like there's gonna be there's gonna be a lot more. Uh, you know, I'm not gonna leverage company resources for like CFD or whatever, but like no, there's gonna be a lot more like catting and all kinds of stuff like going on to to break the whole thing open. You know what I mean? Yeah, makes sense. So I want to roll back around just for a little bit. I I would talk about the development process of the package, the aero package forever, but I just want to touch on a few more points and then we can uh, get back to anger. What, so, so going back to like uh, developing large portions of the car and things like that. So is the, like, is the wing bespoke then? You said that it had to be in a certain position size space. Like, is it a bespoke wing design or is it something you've used previously that, you know, works or how does that work? I'm trying to, figure out what I can say. Sure. Fine. Confidence. I mean, it is a bespoke wing. Like it, it, it is yeah. a, like we we don't have a pre-made mold that okay. we've used before. Sure. So, but it's simpler than you think it is. Okay. Wings are probably the simplest part of the whole design. Process. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Makes like, sense. Uh, it, in, 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 in reality, a car like a GT3 car that operates in ground effect the rear wing is the least efficient aero downforce right. yeah. device on the car. And it has so to be rear... relatively close to the body. Like there's a lot of limiting factors. In, in GT3, it's GT3 is a lot is more forgiving. Sure. Like it can be as high as the roof line. I don't remember okay. how far back it can be, but like that should be better. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, it, it's fairly open, but like, very little development goes into the rear wing. Very little right. development resources go into the rear wing versus the rest of the car. Like it's, yeah, it's, it's the most inefficient part of the car. Like it's the part that we want to use the least amount. So yeah. only as a balancing aid at that point. Ex exactly. It is only a balancing aid. And, you know, every, every time, like, so, you know, for example, sometimes if you just add, if you add front downforce and it hurts rear downforce from the diffuser, and you have yeah. to add rear wing. Overall, you don't take the change because you you've gained too much drag. So, so you know it, it's we just approach rear wings very very differently from from amateur motorsports the way that they're treated. You know, in amateur. Yeah. Motorsports. And so the last the last question I'll have before another conversation is that when you're designing the aero package, obviously body control is super important, like you talked about, pitch sensitivity, yaw sensitivity, all that stuff. So do you go back, are you, do you define to the kinematics team what the target, you know, min target is, the max target is, and then what kind of body control you're looking for? And then they run the kinematics out and, and obviously provide something, you know, in terms so of there is, or otherwise to, to there, accommodate that? Or who's the, I guess, who's the leader? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, is there a leader so, follower or, you know, you kind of get what I'm saying? As, I think as the, like the, I didn't have as much involvement with that part of the process because I was the newest member of the team by a long ways. My co my co aerodynamicist had 
each like 10 years of experience with the same company. So I wasn't as involved in that, but yeah, my, my recollection is that there's obviously some discussion back and forth and there's some like addition of like anti-dive or anti-squat to like mm -hmm. change how much the car is pitching. But like in terms of like targets, aero balances uh, is like derived from lap time sim and driver and loop and pitch sensitivity, I think is more driver and loop uh, developed. So like it's whatever the driver can handle and feel comfortable at. Like, and that kind of gives us a rough range to aim for. And then, so you're and trying then, to build a package within there, within that range that isn't sensitive, fundamentally, right? That I mean, it's well, yeah, you want sensitive. some, you want some pitch sensitivity because you want, you do want there to be some front, a, like a bell shift forward, right, to help turn the car. But then you don't, you don't want it to be like too much because it makes the car too snappy. Right. So it's. There is a good range, and that range itself is determined by, like, you know, the car's w front and rear weight bias. Like, it's determined by yeah. a lot of pneumatic factors right? and, like, car CGI factors. Yeah, CGI weight, all that stuff. Yeah, and then that's, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know anything about that process, unfortunately. So the, I mean, that's cool. I mean, and that's the thing. So it's like, uh, right, so you, like, you look at higher-end racing, you look at LMP cars, things like that, like, Obviously, F1, everything's compromised, right? Everything's mostly compromised to make the aerodynamics work as well as possible. I mean, the, the cars are fundamentally like, yeah. behold it, right? To yeah. Those aerodynamics. And, and obviously, GT3 cars and, you know, chassis cars are getting closer to that, that realm where it's more, you need more body control, right? You need more body control to accommodate I think the capabilities of the systems. I don't think GT3 cars have that many compromises built in. Okay. It... I, again, driven by the fact that it's BOP'd, like you're sure. not, you're, 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 it is a, it is a balance. Like, and I think yeah. it's fairly, it seems fairly well balanced okay. currently in its current iteration. Yeah. And yeah, I, I mean, I think you look at F1, F1 in particular this year and, and since 2022 with, with the ground effects arrow and like body underwing arrows, mm -hmm. there is a, you know, the reason that Red Bull seems to dominate so well is because they're, their optimization and collaboration between their suspension and their aero package is so good right that they you know they've built a lot of robustness into the car into the aerodynamics of the car sure so you know that's a different it's a definitely different animal yeah what we're doing for sure yeah, yeah. and that's what i'm saying like there's those high-end cars, they they're beholden to it, right? That yeah. that's the that's the determiner between a fast and a slow car, and and yeah. in terms of grid spot, right? And so it's not quite that bad for GT3. Obviously, it's marching that way comparatively to what it was even you know 15 yeah. years ago, 10 years ago. Yeah. But it's but it's not as critical. But it is interesting to me because you can see even just over the generations of like the C the the Corvette race cars, right? You can see there the complexity of the packages, you know are more defined right there's 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 let's say there's yeah. interest if you will we'll say it that way i don't you know, i mean it's engineering just, details it's just resources have gotten cheaper over the years so wind tunnel like yeah wind tunnel time see if see if wind tunnel time like big like the biggest ones are like computing time is way cheaper cfd takes less resources yeah uh manufacturing like in the old days models had to be made of like 
metal or carbon yeah. or something and now you just 3d print a new panel and like it's it's super easy like so it, it's gotten more uh cheaper it's gotten cheaper and more efficient time-wise so that just means that you can develop more complex shapes plus like rules have become more complex so yeah. gt1 i'm not as familiar with gt1 or gt2 but like gte was more restrictive uh than gt3 yeah so like you could do less gt1 famously like the reason that cor those corvettes had the wing in front of the rear bumpers because that was required by rules it wasn't an advantage like there wasn't yeah. any reason to have it there but like you had to do it there for the rules and that got easier you know as time went on so yeah like a lot of it is is rule driven and a lot of it is the fact that it's gotten cheaper and cheaper to test and to like develop cars gotcha do you guys how many curiously in terms of the aero team how many people are on the aero team at pratt miller with you it's a pretty small team we i think it was it's basically it was three core members me and two others were the aerodynamicists then we have a supporting cast equally as important uh, of CAD modelers, of three CAD modelers. And then we have model model experts, you know, people who build the models and then, you know, really like are the people involved in like the, the you know, actual on hand labor making the cars. Oh, okay. Yep. And that's a, that's a pretty small team. Yep. That is. Yeah. And I, and a Honda, it was me. I was the only aerodynamicist on that program. On the pilot. Yeah, on the pilot. And but that's how it is with all of Honda's America, like American Honda's development is it's one person in charge of the development. Honda's run like a very small company. Having worked at Ford and being exposed to how GM does things, Honda is very lean. So at Honda, I was the only aer aerodynamics person. There was only one cooling person. There was only one heat resistance person. Interesting. And then like every this part on the car was also like some of the, some of the whole system was one person that was working on the whole system. Like, yeah, it was very, very small, okay. very, very lean. Yeah. And like, that, that's yeah. very interesting. They know who to blame when there's a problem. You, <laughs> like it, it is probably one person to blame. Fucking Chris. <laughs> in Honda's, in Honda's case, at least. But yeah, it's, Honda was very enjoyable because of that. Like, if I had a problem with something, I would just go walk up to the person's desk and tell, talk to him about it, and it was easy. And then we would have meetings where the VP of, where several VPs were in the meeting, and we just aired out problems, and it was, it was easy. And, and much bigger companies like Ford and Honda and GM, it's like, like meetings upon like everything is super siloed and like. Very inefficient. So, yeah, I think I've been lucky that I've been mostly involved with relatively small, like, and less bureaucratic organizations. Yeah. The Go ahead, Dan. Well, I just had a couple questions on, on Arrow before we, we left completely. But uh, validating, like, the CFD data versus wind tunnel versus on track, do you find that to correlate pretty well in general or is there still like some major unexpected differences i wouldn't say there's there's almost never major unexpected differences so i mean 
our CF CFD of Pratt Miller is much more advanced than it is at, in my experience, that it was at Honda and, and, at, and at Ford. So uh, it, speaking about it from Pratt Miller's, like my experience at Pratt Miller, directionally, it's almost always correct. Like directionally, it's almost always going to tell you that like this part was better than this part. And that's going to tend to come out it the same in the wind tunnel. If parts are pretty close in CFD, then you, you, you tend to just take both parts and test them both in wind tunnel. And then the wind tunnel determines the, the choice you make. The, the true advantage of the wind tunnel is being able to run the car at ver at, so, at a bunch of different ride heights, a bunch of different yaw points. Sure. Like, and you can go through it very quickly versus CFD where you have to set up all these points individually, mesh them individually, run them. Like it, it doesn't work. It's not, it, you, you can't run it as efficiently as you can a, a wind tunnel test. Interesting. So yeah, in terms of correlation directionally, it's almost always correct. Magnitude wise, it's uh, not always correct. Like, yeah. you know, I mean, it's, this one, it, it's almost never within it, the exact same attitude magnitude yes. almost never like that when we never expect it to be and we talked about it in our i, we, I did a cfd podcast way back like it was like number three no and i was like, like the, i was like it's a direction like stop like people are like the these thing, numbers the thing that blows my mind is when aftermarket aero companies are fully reliant on cfd and you can very clearly tell this isn't like high level developed cfd code right like, sure there is, there's companies that do it well, but even like people like Kyle engineers who does yeah. stuff for AJ Hartman or whatever, yeah. I don't, I guess I don't know, but I don't think he has, like, he probably has access to some cluster computing. So it's probably as good as you can get with like resources. So I think I, I'm not, I think Kyle engineers does a really good job. Like he's made a career out of it. He's a smart person. But then there's other companies that clearly they're using like SolidWorks CFD, which is like, right. yeah, not great. You can't make any real, like yeah. you can't make what really good judgments off of that. And, then, right? and that's, that's what I talked about. I was like, the numbers don't, like the numbers aren't real. Like right. people think the numbers are real and the numbers aren't real. Yeah. The numbers are just a suggestion as to where you're going at best. Yeah. And then, and then, and it depends on so many factors because if you haven't correlated any of your data ever, then all yeah. the numbers don't even matter anyway. So it's, yeah, yeah. we, we had like, that discussion. Half the time, like, I don't know if they have like the underhood modeled. I don't know if they have no. radiators modeled. I don't know Almost if they have never. underbody modeled. I don't know no. if they have tires rotating modeled. Like there's a lot that goes into it and a lot that presents yeah. arrow sensitivities that can switch directions of, magnet, the, yeah. of changes. Yeah. And it's like, but it's tricky. Like now that I've been in the industry, like, I I'm, I struggle to think of ways that I would have confidence in giving advice to people without asking them it. and yeah. thousands and thousands of dollars uh, right. to go to to like wind shear because even Aerodyne like most companies are using the bicycle wind tunnel Aerodyne which is like what are you they don't see that's funny because <laughs> oh my <laughs> god we're not it. we're not gonna roast too hard today that's it but yeah so you called it Aerodyne right. And yeah. so what people don't understand is Aerodyne's got two wind tunnels. One right. is the NASCAR tunnel. Right. One is A2. A2 right. is what most of the listeners will be 
aware of right because it's what youtubers go to it's what most yes. of yes uh, the kind of amateur yeah. racers would have been to yes and it's cheap enough it's 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 affordable, right. it's, it's affordable. It, it exists that's the difference though it's like funny because uh i think a2 is now 600 dollars an hour and and it was originally designed for a bicycle like you said right that's what yeah. people don't realize it was designed for a bicycle yeah and then so separately though uh aerodyne the other real, tunnel real quick, real quick but before we go you know, do you, would you like to explain why a tunnel designed for a bicycle isn't? So there's a couple. Of, there's a couple of factors. The biggest one is like something called blockage ratio, which is wow the the frontal area, the frontal area, of whatever you're testing relative to the cross sectional area of the of the tunnel. You know, like if you've seen, so Honda just built a brand new wind tunnel. It's called an open jet tunnel, which means. Yeah. Air is flowing into an open section, right? And no boundary walls, basically. Yeah, and the the people, I'm sure people have seen like it. the blockage ratio is like, I don't know, like ten to to twenty percent. Yeah, yeah. If you if you're testing a rear wing in that, it's worthless, completely worthless. Like you're you are energizing, <laughs> like you're you're energizing that flow like so much that like it means it means nothing, like. Yeah. Careful, you might piss someone off. No, no, no. I like this energy. Shut the fuck up. Let me keep going. No, I'm all about it. I'm all about it. So I was going to make a post about this, just so you know. And that's why they're all getting fucking hyped about it. Because you have just said all the things that I say in the background constantly, okay? Uh, that being said, that being said, that, like, see this. No, say, yep, say, it, say, it, say it. Say it. Say it. Hold on. Hold on. Here we go. On, Let's on. see if it's the same thing. Two things. Two things. <laughs> one, like the A1, which has like some it's bigger and it had it, yep. it's still oh i guess i should go back to the, not only blockage ratio there's also like moving ground static ground like yep. i don't i don't even know if a2 has boundary layer suction it which does, is nope weird. nope it's got boundary layer conditioning but it is a ramp style boundary layer conditioning so it's very passive okay yeah so like that means that ground effect means the boundary layer grows at a faster rate anyway anyway a1 it uh, nascar teams have used a1 and there's there's correlation work that goes into like correlating a1 to on track data that i have zero knowledge of but i know it's a thing that happens whether amateurs like do that i have no idea probably not no but i so where the key is though like you said a2 is 600 an hour a real wind tunnel is in the multiple thousands of dollars an hour yeah, it's only here ten thousand dollars or something for. Yes, uh, it's a dollar. It's a dollar a second at which. Yeah, there you go. A do- dollar a second. Every second that you spend in the section, uh, dropping a tool and then looking for the tool, is just money. <laughs> you're you're, you're listening to the money disappearing, like burning, like ding, 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 like. <laughs> Just constantly, constantly. I like I like how it's a dropping. It's not even like the factor of actually doing work. It's you dropped a tool now, and you, <laughs> you like simply like uh, like trust me, I, dude. I had charging I had one, you back I, that money. I had one time at Honda where we got a car to test at the wind tunnel, and the car came from uh, corrosion testing. Okay, oh, God. so we we take the car to the to the car wash. We take it through it like two times. It looks great from the outside. Like it goes all the way to wind shear. Uh, we do all the prep to it in wind shear's base, like on the lift. We put all the stuff to it, get it prepped. We go in the tunnel and like it, they roll it to like, you know, position and stuff and salt's coming out. And you're like, oh, okay, we'll just clean up the salt. 
it just keeps going. There's just more salt, and you're like, oh no. So it's not good. It gets, it just keeps going. So we have to pull it off of the belt, which takes time. Like it's very complicated to get a car into when, into when she, when she, like it's a single, so it's a single belt tunnel, which means there's one giant belt that the car rolls on that it, that simulates the ground. That's how it simulates what the ground is actually doing underneath your car. But what that means is you have these like really intricate and complicated systems for making sure the car doesn't just fly off the belt into the back of the wind tunnel. That's like a really hard thing to, that you have to make sure doesn't happen. So like as this car is rolling, just going salt, we have to pull it off. And as I'm, I'm just knocking salt out of all these panels, piles and piles of salt. And this whole time, it's just like, there's another dollar, there's another dollar, there's another dollar, there's another hundred dollars, there's another thousand dollars. And it just, oh my God, that, that one was a nightmare. That one was a nightmare. I mean, don't they have? I mean, as in their cleanliness requirements as well for them. Yeah, yes. And 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 then there's. I mean, you have to pay for that. Like there's, like, ugh, that yeah. sounds terrible. No, and and then you should. The cost of running something into the belt. Oof, that's a whole. That's a whole other. That's a whole other nightmare scenario. Yeah. That's fun to yeah. deal with. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, like people go to A two because it's all they can afford. Sure. My question is: Is that even worth it? Like I've, I've, it, like I've, I've thought about starting my own consulting business in the future, whatever I feel like I've climbed out of the valley of despair of the Dunning Kruger curve. Yep. And in my mind, I'm like, I think I would only feel comfortable like going to Winshear or going. Yeah, I mean that, that or, that's, yeah, like, that's the problem though. And, and it would take like a GoFundMe or like, you know, like working a with GoFundMe to like make it happen. <laughs> You know what I mean? So it's yeah. It's, so I understand why people go to A two, but like right. I always like people should there should always be a grain of like a gigantic grain of salt of like right. these are our wind tunnel numbers and it's like okay that means nothing. Yeah. A and, grain and, of salt from a Honda. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> from a Honda Pilot testing car. Yeah, yeah, giant piles of what? of poisonous salt. Yeah, I've got I've got Poison. two more arrow questions. We're, we we've been recording for an hour so i don't want to take too much of your time but i have these two that are bugging me first do you look to other race series much for inspiration for aero changes to like the pratt and miller car yeah i mean i personally like look at other aero other series like formula one to as a like place of inspiration for maybe how a certain aerodynamic phenomenon or concept could work and and then try to apply it to to like a gt to the gt3 car it's never going to be copy paste onto sure. you know our sure. car sort in onto a gt3 car but yeah there's a lot there's a lot to learn from other series the the danger is that you're not involved in the design of any of those other cars so you don't know the real you don't actually know the reason why certain things are the way they are. And there could be a whole variety of reasons why certain things are the way they are, why some things look the way that they look. And honestly, sometimes it's way simpler than you think it is. Like my, my boss, a, a former Pratt Miller employee who was, who did help design the Chevy Aero package in 20, like the 2018 to like 2016 Aero package, Chevy Aero package was Pratt Miller designed. 
and it was designed by like a whole bunch of former like a former Ferrari aero engineer and a couple of former Mercedes aero engineers. All these people, by the way, are like way, way, way smarter than me. So I'm like, yeah, like if you if you ever really wanted to like learn something, like I'm 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 the bottom of the totem pole here. Like I'm I'm the middle of like this chain of this food chain of aerodynamics. Anyway, he he was telling me that like he he made like the barge boards for one of the Ferrari F1 cars and we asked, like, he was asked, like, how did you determine that shape? And he's like, I just drew it. I just made splines and it just worked. Like, I mean, there are stories like that. Yeah, yeah. Like, Before you test it, how do you know? And it could just work, right? Like, it, like you have an idea for something for something you want to ha make happen with the air. Like, yeah. you want to spin it a certain way or you want to move it in a certain direction, whatever. You draw the thing to try and do that and then you test it. And the the thing that people don't realize is, Wind tunnels are really, really, really dumb testing tools. You are effectively attaching an object to a scale and then blowing air at it. And that's all you're doing. Like, you're just controlling the, the speed and, like, some of the parameters, like, some of the variables of the air that you're blowing at this thing. But everything else is, like, you're just controlling a million different, like, hard-to-control variables. And then you're trying to change one thing so that you can attribute the one thing you did to a change in aero forces. Like, it's a very, very dumb tool. So there's a lot of like, you know, you're hoping that this is the thing that you're doing. And then CFD is really where it comes in that you can like kind of see what the air is doing. You're looking at like post-processing results, yeah. like yeah. All, all that kind of surface contours and that kind of stuff to like understand what the air is doing. But CFD is imperfect. And especially when it's like really complicated airflow and in like ground effect, really close to the ground. Like, yeah, I mean, there's so, so yeah, in the end of the day, you do look at other cars for inspiration, but you don't actually know why they did certain things. You will never know unless you were involved with the design. Gotcha. That, that leads into my final question and then I'll shut up for the rest of the podcast. Um, no, we won't. Are, are you messing with, or is anyone out there doing generative design with AI and like feeding in parameters like, okay, we've got these roll boxes we need to uh, check off. Computer, magically make shapes randomly mm -hmm. until it hits on something that yeah. you wanted to hit on. So, no. Not, not a Pratt <laughs> Miller. I did do something like that at Honda for very simple like tire deflectors and it was just like a plan view shape of this tire deflector what what i'll say about ai and arrow is is, is and this could be just like false hope on my part i think aerodynamics is a very difficult field to turn into this like ai yeah. go go gadget make downforce thing because like the, the the amount of computing resources and computing time it takes to go through every iteration is so big that it, it'll never like it'll take a huge advancement in computer in computer power and computing power to be able to turn around like that level or that amount of iteration in a reasonable amount of time. And then the other part of that is that when you're designing surfaces, there's trillions and trillions of different 
ways that you can pull or push or like angle a surface. And again, that takes like, so it, it would take so many resources that like, it just doesn't make sense economically to do that. Especially when definitely right now, wind tunnels are definitely still the most efficient way of, of testing, uh, of, of testing, iterating through wind tunnels parts, especially scale wind tunnels where it's like, it's a lot easier to like, it's a, it's a lot easier to like put a car in a tunnel and like, anyway, do all that kind of stuff. And that kind of brings me, the thing that I love the most about aerodynamics is that you are very, very heavily dependent on the intuition of the aerodynamicist. Like what separates aerodynamicists and their like abilities and their skills and like what makes some sought after more than others is that they purely, their intuition is so good that the reason they're good is because they they their intuition effectively cuts iteration time like instead of having to like go through the process of like iterating through a whole bunch of different geometries to get to the optimal solution the best aerodynamicist can just feel out and say this isn't going to work as well as this as this as this we're just going to focus on these projects or on these concepts that what's that's what makes that is what makes a talented aerodynamicist talented and like i that's the part that gets me the most excited because like that gives me the most opportunity to uh like have the most influence on something and that's in the end of the day like that's what i'm in for i'm i'm a very i'm kind of a big picture person like i enjoy much more big picture uh like thinking in the big picture and like really big concept changes and like really thinking through those kind of things rather than like the minutiae and I think Arrow lends fairly well to that. That's sweet. Yeah, there's very sweet. There's a company. God, I can't find it. I was just looking for it while you were talking, if I'm honest. There's a company that's like pushing extremely hard to like claim. Obviously, Ansys and stuff like that are claiming as well. But yeah, Bosch is claiming it. But they're all claiming that they've got, you know, these iterative AI capabilities for, for CFD that you give it general targets and it'll figure it out for you with some space claims. And I was trying to figure out where it was. I think it's easy. That becomes easier the less variables you're, you're in. Yeah, yeah for sure. For so sure. It, I think it is something that's probably easier to implement in production cars where you're singularly focused on drag, basically. Right. But for race cars where it's, Drag, downforce, aero balance, uh, yeah, you know, every sensitivity, yeah. cooling, efficient. Like, there's so many more variables for it that, like, I'm not saying that it's never going to happen, but I think that my generation is fairly safe from that happening and our jobs getting replaced. We'll see. But I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know enough yeah. about AI. Like, I don't know enough about. I don't know that's enough that's about it. I don't have any. I don't, I don't have any exposure to it. I'm sure um, you'll figure out how to. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be someone who's going to touch some buttons. So I'm sure you know what I mean. Like, yeah, they'll still need to put in parameters. That's what people don't understand. Yeah, the AI doesn't decide the parameters. It's just like right. CFD. You're still deciding right. parameters to start with. Yeah, the parameters are just going to be slightly different. And, and that's yeah. And like years ago, uh, you know, Virgin Virgin F1 team contracted. Uh, you know what? What's his name? Like the CFD, what was his name? It wasn't Fry. Anyway, Virgin tried to design their F1 car purely in CFD, 
and they were like, this is going to be the revolution. Like it costs, we cut our costs so much and blah, blah, blah. And then they were like the, you know, the 12th fastest car for three straight years. So it's like, you can make that claim, but there's still nothing that replaces physical wind tunnel testing. Yeah. You have to test something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially that reality. Yeah. And that's what we, we, like I said, we've talked about that a little bit on the CFD side is that people don't even understand the variables. And I explained the top level variables and people don't even understand that there's variables like distinctly more difficult than that. But you're not even, and you're not even talking about like the physics involved in CFD. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like there's, there's people who are literally just working on different ways to do the computation on the, on the derivations and of like, cause it's, fundamentally it, what it is is interface molecule you know in molecule interfacing right so it's yeah. how one affects the next and yeah. there's literally people just working on that and it's insane right yeah it's, and it's i mean a lot there. to give you an idea of like kind of how a little bit how black art it is we don't actually know why like wings work the way they do we know yeah. empirically yeah. how they work we can model it fairly accurately empirically yeah, but we don't. But we don't understand why, like, the velocity of air is higher over, you know, the one side of the wing than the other. Like, we know what causes the velocity to accelerate. We know how to get it to accelerate. We don't know why it does. And I mean, there's, you know, the lot. There's lots of different theories. Some of them have been proven false. There's, you know, anyway, like, it, it's very difficult to model air. Uh, using a computer right. and like there's a lot of money involved in making that more and more efficient and more and more accurate in today's capabilities there is it's just still not as good as going to a wind tunnel it, and it sure i don't yeah because you don't you let the nature model it right yeah her <laughs> wind tunnel is like the stupid blowy thing is doing it for you like right I love, I love the stupid blowy thing yeah that's, I, that's I hate I hate stupid blowy things. <laughs> They're a pain in the ass. They've caused me much much trauma and heartache. Yeah, just don't drop anything. Right? No attempt. Yeah. yeah. Are we still talking about wind tunnels? Or? Yeah. <laughs> wow. All right. Spicy. And so, uh, two questions, and then we're gonna get on to the last bit. But two questions. One: Do you guys use? And uh, if you can't answer, no big deal. Do you guys use an off the shelf? Let's call it off the shelf. Uh, so- I don't think it's secret. We use a company called Corbid. Okay, Corbid. Okay. CFD. Um, are you... They, they have their own code. Are you local? Is, do you have a cluster local? Like, are you running off your own? I, I don't know where okay. where their computing resources are. Then, also, you said you're three, you've got three aerodynamicists. Are you all running... Are you physically running the CFD then? Or no. are you making no, recommendations for changes? We have, you know, one Corvid... Uh, gotcha. Okay. CFD person, and then we have actually another Corvid... A model like a CAD prep person as well. Gotcha. So you're 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 fundamentally making. We're we are uh, test engineers. We are test gotcha. engineers. Okay. So that makes we, sense. we yep. come up with the ideas. We guide our model makers and our CAD modeler. We we do CAD modeling. Like we we do hand over we hand over surfaces and then those surfaces are tuned and uh, turned into parts by other people on. Gotcha. They're, so, they're given they're given weight and thickness. Yeah, and and I'll say like at Honda, I didn't even do CAD. Like I I was just the idea man, and then I would like ask the part designer or the stylist or whoever to like make the part for me. So yeah, like it, that's it, cool. Yeah, separate people. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's that that is always interesting to me because 
you know, I've talked to others and it just depends on where you're at. It depends on what you do. Like it depends if you're, you know, in terms of, you know, the idea guy or if you actually have to do the CAD work or you're even, you know, stepping into the CFD side and there's not, there's yeah. almost nowhere that you have to do all those things yourself. That's yeah. not a, that's not a, because there's always, you know, there's always the better person at, I mean, yeah, specifically the, CFD specifically, uh, you know what I mean? They got to be our, our CFD, right. our CFD guys are super, super smart and they're really, really good at understanding you know, how to accurately set up their models. They're really good at understanding right. post-processing and understanding right. results. So, and yeah, like you said, like it, it works best when the, the best person at CFD is doing the CFD and the best person at ideas does the ideas and the best person at right. making CAD does the CAD. Like, and that's basically how it works. Yeah. That's super cool because yeah, that would be, uh, that'd be kind of fun that way. Because... But I do... I will say, like, it is I do get a lot of enjoyment out of generating, like, I do enjoy generating the shapes because that also increases my, like, understanding of how to manipulate the shapes to get yep. what I want to make happen, what I want to make happen. And I've gained a lot of experience using CAD at Pratt Miller. I, like I said, at, at Honda, I didn't use CAD very often to make shapes. Yep. And now, like, I think if I would go back, I would really encourage everybody to to make their own CAD, or at least basic shapes, because it's a lot easier to communicate with people when you can just be like, this is the surface I want, just make this. Like, right. Yeah, no. Rather than that, be like, that makes oh, I moved this by this much, and like, you're just using Microsoft Paint to, like, we joke around the office that like, Microsoft Paint is the best, is the best, actually <laughs> the best CAD tool. Like, so yeah, I really, like, just... I'm going to just use my mouse or quickly tool, the spline tool. Just do yeah. this. Tool done. See ya. Bye. Like yeah. that's make that a part. Quick. Yeah. Yeah. Quick. That's honestly Microsoft paint. Well, really pick, pick. We use a program called pick, pick. Yeah. That one's actually the best CAD program. Forget that's Katia. Cool. Forget everything else. Pick, pick. That's pick pick where it's at. You yeah. heard it here first, Paul. That's right. That's right. Yeah. It's hilarious. Cause it's like, I, I actually have a, I got a laptop, you know, like a, a, a you know, a, a touchscreen laptop with a stylus and I'll draw before I make any arrow package or make a new part for us. I'll draw it out, you know, by hand mm -hmm. on there to get an idea of like the yeah. you know, the general shape, the, the, you know, the, the space claim, the yeah. shape that I'm looking for, that yep. kind of stuff. And then I'll go through and I'll start doing iterative design, yeah. you know, in CAD to make it like my, what I actually want. My favorite CAD modeling software is what Adrian Newey uses, which is a human. He like <laughs> draws and he's like, slave, go make, make this make, thing for me electronically. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not, I, he doesn't, yeah, he doesn't touch the computer, that. Because does like, yeah. if Adrian Newey listens to this, I, I don't actually, I'm not actually claiming he's, he's an asshole. I'm, I'm just making fun of the fact that he doesn't actually do any CAD himself. He actually still does. If, like, frankly, if he responds, this, that'd be great. Let's be honest. You go, oh my God, that'd be amazing. <laughs> I mean, I would look like the biggest idiot, but you know, it'd be great. No, but now he knows your name. It's important. That's name recognition is an important God. thing. If Fodger knew he knew my name, oof. Yeah, see, there you That's go. A life accomplishment right there. Yeah, By yeah. the way, plug for Adrian Newey, How to Build a Car. You should read it. I, and if, everybody. Hold on, one, yeah, I, I'll, you want me yeah. to get it right there? It's right yeah, there. Yeah, I have it as well. You should oh, yeah, people it. can really see it, Mike, on a it's fucking right, audio right medium. No, everybody literally right read there. it. If you're at all interested in any sort of anything about race car design, you got to read it. Forget the audiobook because the book has like drawings of his that are like really, really sweet. Yeah, there's the book plug. 
plug for how yeah, to build no, a car. No one gets need a you can't plug it because you can't fucking see it. We don't post video. Yeah, yeah I know. I'm just saying. <laughs> there it is. So Devin can shut up. Yeah. If you haven't read it, you should read it. It's great. Plug again. Good. I should yeah. I should write a book and plug that, but instead I'm gonna write, I'm gonna plug Adrian Newey. There's a there's a there's another book that I really like separately that it isn't Adrian Newey's book, but it's about old Group B cars, not Group B, sorry, Can M cars. Oh neat, and like the old Nissan prototypes and stuff like that, and and that era, and it's super cool because it has engineering drawings in it, like the original drawings oh. from Nissan and everything. You so have- literally just the hand laid drawings and then all the. It's got wind tunnel tests in it and everything as well, yeah. like scale wind tunnel tests. Yeah. And then the, the iterations, 278 in the iterations. Like, it's like, it's really cool. It talks about all that stuff. So, all right. Last thing we'll do before we go is people do stupid shit on cars. So what are some things like, we, you've talked about this a little bit, right? And I know you have this feeling just walking around the paddock. What are things that you're like, why'd you do that? Three of them before we go. What are three, three. things... You're like, why did you do that? <laughs> why, why did you take out your fender liners? Why'd you do that? Okay, there you go. One. one. I hate that one. Uh, That's a common one. Why Why don't you have like uh, something to seal your radiator to the radiator opening? Why don't you have any ducting? Why don't That's you have any ducting? Un- That's another one. Yeah. I never understand that. When people ask us about like cooling problems, I was like, yeah. Did you take out all? Well, why did you take uh, out all? Or- Inversely, why do you have like the thickest gauge, the thickest gauge steel mesh in front of your radiator? That's oh not my god! Yeah. Me. Yeah. People um, don't understand that when you buy mesh, it has like a percentage, like it's called yeah. something. Yep. And then that means how open or closed it is. Dude, so I look buy- at I look at like big bro trucks that are towing and that have like this super fine grill, aftermarket grill. Thing. Right. Like, yeah. That car's gonna explode. Like I know, <laughs> I know how close. Requirements are that car yeah. will literally explode. Yeah, they, they they don't realize that you know thousands of little round wires in front of the radiator isn't really yeah. conducive to right flow. Right, but it's like twenty percent flow, and they don't even realize it because they're right. like, oh yeah, there's openings though, and it's like, oh god, right. Please stop that. And then I don't know. Like I don't. I try not to just like. It's hard. It's hard it's to not, like. Yeah. Not just shit on everybody. Yeah, I know. Yeah. You're that great. At it. Well, I just I guess I'll say it nicely. It's why, okay. Here's here's a third one. Here's a third one. Why are you running that APR wing, bro? Yeah, fine. There it there is. Oh, name dropping. I love I wanted, it. I wanted. <laughs> I wanted. I wanted to end it spicy. So like, there you go. why are you so running what, that? If like, there is, you you don't have you don't get a wing. But what wing would you want? Nobody makes. I will say I don't think anybody makes an actual. So like I've always thought that. The re oh, a wing the wing that you want in like GLTC or Club TR or whatever like basic wing, you want it to be a much higher aspect ratio than what's out there because sure. there's not a lot of wings. People are there. running people are running all their wings by this alphanumeric company, uh, yes. at like zero or one degree, and it's like oh it's so efficient hooray but like it's like super pushy because it makes too much downforce which means it makes too much drag. So like, right. why don't you like cut that with, cut that cord down, make it more efficient. And then you can have a bigger range that you can run this wing at. Cause it's going to make less drag and you can actually tune how much arrow balance you need. Like, why don't you sure. just do that? No, nobody makes one. Nobody makes one. I've, I've always wanted to try like the, whatever the, the maximum area rule for like 
the whatever the low uh, power to weight hit is. I think it's like oh, 50 or 500. Sure. Yeah, 200 square inch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 250. Yeah, square I've inch. always been like, okay, max span and then whatever the cord gives you, like that's what you should run. Like try that. I want to try. Yeah, that. I mean that's what Have you seen what like Robertson. Blood? Scott Robertson was trying to do that with like a, I don't know what it was, it was like a four and a half inch or five inch cord. I thought he really just ran like the really like chubby one. He he ran the baby wings to start with, but he wanted yeah. to run a Tim Tim Miller. Yeah, I've talked with him. Okay, talking Tim. Yeah, he was talking about doing like they were gonna three D yeah. print like a four yeah. a four inch cord or maybe a five inch cord wing. Yeah, that, that's about right. Yeah. yeah. A helicopter blade? Helicopter blade, yeah. Oh, like, I mean, have you ever seen, like, the old Peugeot LMP, like, LMP rear wing? It's tiny. It's a toothpick. It's tiny. Sure. Yeah. Again, it looks, it looks like a, it looks like an air guide. More yeah, so if you're if you're using it to make downforce, make it as efficiently as possible and run it at as low of a rear wing angle as you can. Like, yeah. I think, I think, I think that perspective is, is true from an engineering standpoint. I think it's harder from... I think it's it's comfortable from your standpoint because you're like I can make what I want and I know how to make it. Where other people are like I need to buy something because I don't understand how. I, I mean, I, I I don't want to make it. Like it's really hard to make to mold wings in carbon sure. fiber. I, I and mean, that's I why you print it. I I, I <laughs> printing a wing is really hard, and also it's going to cost a ton of money because it's so big. But like, yeah. I made wings in FSAE like foam cutting wings. It's the mm -hmm. fucking worst. Like, <laughs> I do not like it. The <laughs> worst. So I, I'm so always shocked when people do that stuff because it, it's like a lot of it's a lot of effort. It is a lot of effort. No, and it's like you have to like perfectly tune how hot the wire is, and then yeah. so like your your trailing edge doesn't end up super fat, and then like getting the surface quality. Oh my god, this is bringing back PTSD for me. I see. It's funny to me because I think that a lot of it is right. I think you're you you have a lot of the same tendencies I do. That it's like. This isn't worth it if I can't do it well. Yeah. And if you and and other people don't necessarily have that idea because they're like, this shape is relative and it's close enough and I'm happy. They don't realize that the trailing edge requirements, you know, dictate how well the performance. Well, and right? just surface it's, finish, like surface yeah. finish is really really hard on. Yeah. And that's why like aluminum extruded wings make a lot of sense. They're really easy to make that way. But right. the problem is that you only have certain, you know, right. like I think. I think the Alpha Numeric company they bought a wing a wing uh yeah. profile from an old racing car and then they're just printing right. money with it. It's like it's like <laughs> it's like Chrysler's it's like Challengers and Chargers which are based on 90s Mercedes chassis. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, the world chassis. There's another spicy take for you. But no, I mean I think like I think that it's, it's hard because it, it, everything is that balance, right? And that yeah. it comes back to the discussion about the wind tunnel like you're you've been to you go to wind shear you understand how good wind shear is you understand the results that come out of it and yeah. even going down to something like aerodyne is like hard for you where like people want to go to a sorry people want to go to a2 and it's like yeah that data is there it exists right and and i'm not going to stop people i don't i'm not going to tell people not to do it like go yeah. do it if you want to do it but it's hard to like then go uh yeah a1 uh uh their wind shear like and then you know what i mean like stepping up that line yeah. And so, uh, and so one day, one day, I hope that Gene Haas is happy enough with how much money he's made off of Winshear that he just like slashes prices. Like, hey, you want to get in here? Like, dude, he's he's already paid the thing off. He's just raking in the cash, just pure yeah, pure cash. cash. I'm just like, dude, 
help hook us up, man. Hook us up. That's all I'm well, saying. That means that all, all all that means is that we need to get together and build another wind tunnel. That's all that means. Okay. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, okay, fuck you. Okay, you want to know, know how much money Honda's new wind tunnel is? That's how much more than you think. It was $124 million, right? Million so, with an M? Yeah. It was it was a hundred that's what that's what the press said. I don't think that's an accurate number. Okay. Well, we'll 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 go find out. We're gonna we're gonna I actually I contacted them to ask how much it was out of their tunnel. And it's more expensive than wind shear because it's better. Yeah, and that's like I, I, I gotta look. I gotta look at what that email said. I think they I think they like you asked to do you have to do a full day and it was and you have to do a full day and it was like forty grand or something. I'm gonna look uh, hold on. Yeah, yeah. Okay, while he's doing that and we're at an hour and a half here, just want to ask my closing questions as I usually do. So Besides uh, having bigger balls, if you had one bit of advice for someone that wants to be like you, what would it be? Wait, what is this in reference to? Well, yeah, because you did talk mostly about your job, I suppose. I don't think my Let's job requires back. big balls. I don't. I mean, it's the. Eh, I don't know. Kind of feels like it. Forty forty k a day, forty k ten hour day, and they'll help you load in and load out. I think it's worth it. Let's do it. I I also think it's worth it, but anyway. Uh, to, okay. Well, let's go with your job and what you do for for racing in your yeah. course. Okay. We didn't even talk about the racing. We didn't have time. If you want to get into racing, first of all, uh, mini rant: like, don't look at college rankings because they're fucking bullshit. Uh, look at a university. Like, if you're if you're a high schooler, look at a university. Look at that they have a successful FSA program. Look that they have uh, supportive mentors for that FSA program. Look that they have curriculum that teaches practical things, not just like theoretical, analytical stuff. You don't want to build bridges, huh? You don't want to build bridges. It's no, no I don't want to model like some bullshit turbine in like one DCFD. Like I don't give a no? shit about that. Oh, that's weird. Um, I anyway, I, that's a whole rant. <laughs> so yeah, like go to a university that's going to teach you what you need to learn, which is practical aerodynamics and like testing methodology and integration into the car and things like that. Like, and do FSA. FSA is the most useful. It's the only reason that I am where I am. Uh, I'm a big time Formula SAE uh, fanboy. Do that. And then after that, it's like make as many connections as you can, like network with as many people as you in racing. Like, you know, I'm in racing. Like if you meet me, uh, like I can, I'm a contact for you to get into like Pratt Miller or Honda or whatever, like network, like get your name out there. Like you may not start in the industry you want to be in, but like, keep an eye out, like look for those opportunities and, and like try and take advantage of them when you can. In terms of driving. Cool. Could you apply this same technique to an adult that's not in high school? Yeah. I mean, I, 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 being an adult is infinitely more complicated than mm-hmm. being an 18-year-old. We don't like, talk to many 18-year-olds. Just in case you didn't know, it's more people like, I don't know, normal poor people that race. I mean, again, like it, getting from – you can make it into racing in a variety of different ways. Like if you don't – if you're not college educated or like you're you're more into like the building car stuff, it's very – doable to get into a racing organization and start from the bottom as a fabricator or something and work your way up. Like that's totally a doable thing. 
if you're an engineer and you're trying to get in, then it's like, take, you know, try and show as much. If you don't have the educational background or like the FSAE experience, if like you're way past that and you want to make a career change, consider doing like classes at places like IUPUI, uh, which has motorsports engineering and I think offers like remote learning and stuff like that. But also, you know, try and do as much racing, take seminars, as many seminars as you can to increase your knowledge. Yeah, like if, if you want to get into Arrow to say, I think it's Arrow is in many ways the most difficult uh, career to get into in many ways. There's less aerodynamicists at Honda than there are stylists, which styling is an extremely difficult place to get into. So I've gotten here through a combination, a huge combination of mostly luck, some networking and just a passion for, for the topic. So I think if you do, it's, it's harder, it's a lot harder, the older you get, but it's doable. You just, you basically have to be hungry for the knowledge. And once you gain the knowledge, then it, it comes naturally, I think more naturally, I should say. Yeah. And then if you want to, I don't know, drive around racetracks at a reasonable pace, uh, listen to lizard brains podcast plug of another podcast on the podcast. I hope that's okay. Um, yes, it's really not, but, but you did it already. So it's also, too late. But also <laughs> make, make as many friends. That sounds make, good. Stuff. Make as many friends as you can with fast people. Like if you see a fast person, be friends with them because they're fast. Forget about their personality. Yeah. That's okay. right. All right. Understood. And then, and are you talking specifically about Tom and DJ? No, their personalities <laughs> that I see what you did there, but their personality is great. <laughs> Their you did it. We didn't do it. What are you talking about? I remember them both so much. No, what I'm saying is like, be friends with fast people because then friends will coach you naturally because you're friends and don't have an ego. Like if somebody's telling you that you're doing something wrong, like take them to heart, especially if they're faster than you. And always like, always look for people faster than you. Like never, don't be the big fish in the small pond. Like always look to get your ass kicked somewhere because that's the only way. Don't you, are, didn't you build a Z06 to be the big fish in the small pond? Are you calling Street GT a small pond? Then I guess I would, that's not how I would call my competitors, but I think mm, I made a better good video. way to turn it back. I like, I like the way you said that. Good job. I like, I like, I appreciate you. I made, I made the best vehicle choice on paper. And I think, you know, that, I think that's a, part, that's a part of my success. I don't think I'm that much of a better driver than all those people, than all of my fellow. Well, but you are saying you think that you are a better driver than them. I mean, I think the results mm. prove that. Understood. Also, <laughs> Understood. But it I wasn't all okay. the car, Devin. I think it's okay <laughs> to say that I'm a better, slightly better driver. I, I'm not yes. saying I'm like fucking. In full circle. I, yeah, Remember you a big ball? Former yeah. Among yeah. a bunch of like whatever. Hey, I mean, you got to put your dick on the table. Let them know sometimes. You I'm know not, what I'm saying? No. My dick is small. <laughs> okay. There's not much to put on the table. <laughs> I don't know. This isn't the content. I don't know. Oh, it's. I'm telling you. You say that. Terrible. But you're terrible. I already experienced it. Now I get it. <laughs> but that's why that's why you're friends with Tom. So there you go. All makes sense. Wait. What? Not the dick so, part. The part where you're like, hey, you made you fast. Sure. You, you did relate that to the big part. Where, what happened there? I'm just making God. sure. All right. Is it this went then? way off the rails, by the way. Uh, no, no. His follow-up just seems to be that he's passionate about uh, letting everybody know. So there you go. It is awesome. 
I think that's so. That's it for today. Uh, this was a long one. Normally, we try to stop at a hour, great one, and it's been an hour and forty minutes almost. So mm-hmm. we appreciate it. I still want to talk about a lot of things because obviously we have a very similar perspective on, uh, yeah, most things like this. And so, yeah, maybe we'll talk again. Uh, but I'm sure we'll talk, you know, in the paddock slash otherwise. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It depends on the fallout from this episode. So we never. Yeah. Know. Anytime you got. Anytime you want to. It's going to be follow up and have another hour and a half long podcast about the wonders of air. Uh, oh, feel to let me we know. Didn't even, I'll, I'll we, didn't even, we didn't even like hit half the things I wanted to hit, if I'm honest. But that's okay. We'll figure yeah. out at some point here because there's yeah. so many things that I want to hit. This could be a multi-part series, man. It could be a it multi-part could. It series. Can. It can, and we do appreciate it. So awesome. Is there anybody else? So for your racing endeavors, we always say, you know, if there's somebody you want to plug, you already plugged Inertia Labs. Is there other people that you want to talk? Uh, you know, plug before we go. Yeah. Yeah, huge thanks to Hawk Brake Pads for making the season possible. Awesome supporters. Also had a great time with them at PRI. Essex Brake Part Services for the AP kit. That hopefully means I don't melt my brake pads next summer. And Apex Wheels for providing the best value in forged wheels anywhere out there with a warranty. So all those all those guys, thanks, thanks a lot. Awesome. And then where can people... Uh, do you have something specific set up for your racing endeavors or... Is there a place where people can follow you? Yeah, uh, Instagram at Waxman Racing, TikTok at Waxman Racing, YouTube at Waxman Racing. They're all pretty small, so I'll take any followers I can get right now. Okay. Uh, yeah, but if you want to see more Corvette content and stuff, go to Waxman Racing at all of your social media stuff. Who knows what that stuff's going to be, but it's going to be there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and the uh, and then lastly, uh, schedule for next year. You look like you're going to run Grid Life again. Yeah, I'm trying to con- do the complete Grid Life series outside of um, the two club events at out in California, Willow Springs. Okay, I was going to say you're Hill. Uh, yeah, but I'm, I'm trying to make calls. Laguna. I'm going to hopefully make okay. Laguna. So, yeah. okay, awesome. Well, it was fantastic to talk to you. We'll get some of that information up there, and uh, yeah, hopefully we'll talk again because I've got you know tons more to talk about. Anytime. It was a pleasure. Thanks, guys. Yeah, it was fantastic. I appreciate it. Bye. Bye. It's that time again, boys. I need those goddamn reviews. You can say that Devin is forcing you to do them, or you can leave some genuine feedback, and I'll be sure to read them and get them back to the boys. In the meantime, you can join our Facebook group, which is Professional Awesome Technical Forum. You can follow us on Instagram at Professional Awesome Racing, and we have a Facebook regular page with the same name. But... Until then, we'll talk to you later, and we really appreciate you listening.